0: reason why we're doing the best question ever, we first did this series 18 years ago, then we did it again 10 years ago, and when Pastor Rich and I got together and started talking about what are we going to do this summer, what can be the best of the best that we can bring for the summer, because we feel like if you show up on a holiday weekend, or if you show up on any time during the summer, that it ought to be it ought to be well worth your time, because there's so many other options that you have. By the way, those of you who are tuning in on your holiday weekend from... The beach or the mountains or wherever you are, thank you so much for investing some of your time uh, with us this morning. So we asked ourselves, you know, what's some of the best series that we've done over the last 20 years? And um, this, the best question ever is one of our favorite series. It's a question that I've used since I discovered it 18 years ago. You can ask my kids. When they were growing up, my kids were 10 and 12 when I first stumbled upon uh, this book that came out of a sermon series that we got from Andy Stanley, who does Starting Point. You just saw him. And we um, we taught that with permission, of course. My kids have heard me say this question a thousand times growing up. And I know if you were here ten years ago, that when we did it again, you've probably been telling this to your kids. It's a question that we love to quote, and we love to quote it to other people. What's the wise thing to do? That's the question we want to... But it's really a question that we have to apply to ourselves, and that's much more valuable to apply it to our, to our own lives. It's more important, but it's also more difficult. It's way easier to manage other people's lives than our own life, isn't it, if that's, if that's the truth? So we've been talking about how we've all done dumb stuff in life. When you look back over your life, we all admit there's been money we wish we haven't spent, Right? There's been relationships we wish we'd never gotten involved with. For some people, there's been marriages you wish you'd never gotten involved in. There's been deals that you wish you've never done. There's been partnerships we've knew it we wish we'd never formed. There's investments we wish we'd never bought. There's stock tips we wish we'd never listened to. There's opportunities we wish we hadn't participated in and taken advantage of. And the list could go on and on and on and on and on. We've all made decisions that we regret. And all of us can look back on our life and find those moments, those moments of most regret. Maybe it was just one night, one night that changed our life and we regret it to this day. Or maybe it was a weekend. For some, it was a whole week called spring break in the 80s, you know, and, and you made some decisions there that you're still paying for, possibly or maybe it was a month or several years of, of traveling on a prodigal path away from your Lord. We all have chapters in our lives that we wish, if there was a way we could jump in a time machine and go back to that moment, we would make a different choice. We would choose a different path. And the odd thing is, even though we all wish we could go back and rewrite that story, because it's so obvious to us now. As we look back on those weekends, on that night, on that week, on that prodigal path, it is so obvious from where we are today. We look back and we say to ourselves, what was I thinking? Why did I say yes? Why did I get involved? Why didn't I run, we talked about last week? How could I have been so blind? How could I have been so dumb? How could I have been so foolish? I even use the S word. How could I have been so stupid? It's so clear now, isn't it? And what's strange is we run into people in our lives. Maybe they're your kids, maybe they're your coworker, or your sibling, and they are now about to make the same decision we made. And we try to tell them, no, 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 you don't want to do that. No, 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 don't. I'm living example. I'm telling you, you, it is not going to take you where you want to go. It's not going to get you anywhere good. In the people, our kids, our siblings, our co-workers, when we try to warn them, I made that mistake, don't do that. When we warn them, they say to us, they respond to us the same way that we responded to people when they tried to warn us. It's none of your business. Expletive deleted, right? They feel like this is what they need to do. They feel like this is what their heart is telling them to do. We talked about how our heart is deceitful in week one. So in this series, we have said that it is the goal of our goal is to be able to live our lives in such a way that we look back with little or maybe even no regrets. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be incredible if you could look back on the last decade or three decades and think, man, I don't have any. I don't have any one nights. I don't have any weekends. I don't have any weeks. I don't have any problems. I don't have any regrets. Wouldn't that be almost utopia? We've said that one of the ways that can help us as we move forward to not continue to make these decisions that we end up regretting is to ask this specific question, what is the wise thing to do? Not what is everybody else doing, not what is the moral thing to do, not what is the legal thing to do, not what is where is the line, how close to the line can I get to sin without actually sinning kind of a question. The question for me, and not for everybody else, but for me specifically and personally, is what is the wise thing for me to do? And we've been talking about the fact that we need to ask this question on several levels or layers, three levels or layers, and we need to ask it in every arena, every area of our life. Because it's an important individual question. Because we have a unique Combination of our, we have a unique past. I have a past that you don't have. You have a past that nobody else has. And we have unique circumstances currently or responsibilities currently in our life or at different stages of our lives. And we all have different future hopes and dreams. So, in light of my past experience personally, in light of my specific current circumstances and reality, in light of my future hopes and dreams, What is the wise thing for me to do in this situation? And this is the grid. This is the the standard by which we should ask every area of our life, every decision, evaluate every choice because we're all unique in this way. And at some point along the way, to live a regret-free life, to live a life that we don't look back on and wonder, what was I thinking? We've got to learn to incorporate the best question ever into every single area, every single facet of our life. Now I don't think there's any area more important or any arena more important than this arena that we're going to talk about today. This arena of our time. Because here's what I want you to write down at the top of your outline. If you don't mind grabbing a pen, clicking it, you're going to want notes for this one because you want to tell your kids this someday. Or you're going to want to pull this out and review it for yourself or to help somebody else. Write this down. Our time equals our lives. Our time equals our lives. And this is a little bit of one of those duh things. Like, of course our time equals our lives. But I want you to think about this. When your time is over, your life is over, isn't it? Our time equals our lives. And the amazing thing is we're all the same in this, that we can all look back at different stages of our of our life and ask ourselves, what did I do with all my time? What did we do with our time? Those of you who are moms of preschools, do we have a couple of moms of preschools that are, yeah. Those of you who are moms of preschools or elementary students, if you've got some elementary kids in your life, don't you find yourself thinking, or even saying to your spouse sometimes, because you are so busy. If you've got a couple of toddlers, if you've got a couple of preschoolers, you are so busy with your kids right now. Don't you look at your spouse sometimes and think to yourselves or even say, what did we used to do with all of our time? before? You know, the B.C. days, right? Before, before kids, before children days. What did we do with We should be billionaires, I mean, if you took all the time our preschoolers, if you took all the time our elementary school kids require of us, we could have each had three jobs apiece. We should be retired by kindergarten, right? With all the time that we, that we spend on them. Where did all of our time go? At some point in all of our lives, we look back and we wonder, where, where did my time go? And here's what, here's what we're really asking. What we're really asking is, where did my life go? Time equals life. Where did my 20s go? Where did my 30s go? Why don't I have more to show for my 40s or for my 50s? What was, what was I doing with my time? What was I doing with my life? It's one of the most important questions in life. What am I doing with my time? And to help us examine this question in the right way, we've got to ask it through this grid of the best question ever. We must ask, in light of my past experience, in light of my current responsibilities, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wisest way to spend and invest my time right now? In a few minutes I said we're going to look at this verse. It's actually two verses, so I, I doubled it already. Um two incredible verses that are relevant to our lives, that if we could latch on to this verse, these two verses, it could be a paradigm shift for the rest of our lives. It could change the rest of our time spent on this earth, what we refer to as our life. And the good news is that your Heavenly Father, He loves you, And he has given you all of these moments, all of these minutes, hours, weeks, and years. He has given you an allotted amount of time. We call it our life. And he cares very, very much how we spend this allotted amount of time, what we call our life. God cares about what we spend or waste or invest our time and our lives on. And consequently, he has a lot to say about that in his word. Now, we're only going to look at one or two verses, but we keep coming back to this over and over as we study through the Bible because he says our lives matter. The first thing he says about time, really the first thing he says about your life that I want you to write down is, number one, there is a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. Would you fill in the word small and the word long? This is true whenever you're practicing something. You remember when you were trying to learn an instrument as a middle schooler? When your parents, they somehow they somehow made it through your first year in sixth grade, from going from that recorder to whatever your instrument was, and you practiced, and it was horrible, and... Um, And over time, you got better because you kept practicing. You kept working it. Or maybe maybe you are working at perfecting or still trying to perfect your golf swing. Or maybe you're working at trying to be proficient at a hobby or a skill. And you know you've learned that a little bit of time every week or a little bit of time three or four times a week, over six months or over a year's time, The cumulative value, the cumulative skill, the cumulative knowledge that you build up in those little bits of 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, that they go a long way towards getting you proficient over a period of time. We also see this in the realm of exercise, don't we? There is a cumulative value in exercising a few minutes every day or a few minutes several days a week. At the end of six months or the end of a, of a year, you look at yourself and you're like, wow, you know, look how much better shape I'm in. There's no one 20-minute workout that did it. I can't look at, well, you know, the second Tuesday of September, that was the day it all turned in the right direction. But the cumulative value, you add Tuesday after Tuesday after Tuesday, after Tuesday to Thursday after Thursday after Thursday to Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, after Saturday in the cumulative value of all those ex- hours of exercise stretched out over months stretched out over years incredible value to all of that same is true in your marriage a little bit of time invested every day you spend some time talking and conversing before going to bed how was your day how was your day what's going on in your life you know you go to lunch regularly you have a date night once a week the cumulative value is is exponentially bigger as you make those little deposits. Same thing with your kids. Investing a few minutes every day with your kids at bedtime or at the dinner table or on the way to or from school, it'll have the same cumulative value. It's also the same in your spiritual life. A few minutes every day reading God's Word and spending them with your Heavenly Father, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, reading His Word and praying. The cumulative value adds up same about coming to church once a week there's a cumulative value over time one of the ways that we have seen that this is true in our own lives mine and nancy's life is in our relationships with people that we've had in small groups you hear me talking about small group all the time that everybody needs to be in a life group everybody needs to be in a small group by the way the easiest way for you to get into a life group that will Uh, that you can be in long-term is to sign up for either the men's Monday night or the ladies Bible study or one of these other classes that we have going on. Because you will be in a class or you will be at a men's Monday night football and Bible study table with people who are already in a life group. And they will invite you to their life group. What they're doing is they're evaluating, are you a weirdo or not? And if you're not a weirdo, they'll go, hey, you know, we're looking for somebody for our. Now, if you are a weirdo, don't worry, because there's groups full of weirdos. They will invite you, and you won't even know. You won't even know you're in the weirdo. Yeah, I fit right in. It's like, no, I'm only kidding. My groups are the only weirdo groups, I think. But we have a Friday night small group that we've been meeting with for over a decade, and about 20 to 24 times a year. Uh, we get together on a Friday night, and since nobody has to be at work, or most of us don't have to be at work in the morning, it's uh, usually a three-hour deal or ordeal, depending on the night. And um, we share a meal together. We maybe do a little bit of a, of a study, or we'll watch a video. Um, and, um, but we don't meet to do a study. And we don't, we don't really even meet to eat, although we have a meal together. We meet to do life together. And here's what's happened over time. See, almost all of these people several years ago, they were strangers. They didn't know each other. But as we've come together regularly, twenty, twenty-four times a year... Over this long period of years and time, we've been in the hospital with each other. We've, we've met each other in the waiting rooms. We've, we've been to each other's family's funerals. We've um, been to our family's weddings with each other. And over time, we've developed this huge friendship, these strong bonds. And we love our group people. We call them our groupies because of that. Some of them are here today. In any of these areas... At the end of six months, at the end of a year or two to three years, our lives are enriched not because of any one event or any one deposit of 30 minutes of exercise or thirty a couple-hour date night or a small group or even a church service, but because of the cumulative value of regularly making these deposits of time because time is our life. Now, the interesting thing is this, and I want you to jot this down. I've already kind of mentioned it. There's actually very little value at all in any one of these deposits. There's little value in any one of those deposits. Here's what I mean by that. Exercising one time doesn't do you very good, much good, does it? I mean, if you're out of shape today and you decide, you know what? I'm getting in shape Today. I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to spend four hours at the gym today. No, you won't be in shape at the end. You'll just be really, really sore tomorrow. So eating dinner with your family one time and then ignoring them for the next three months or four months, it's not going to help. Going to a small group or life group one time won't really yield deep friendships. The same is even true about having a quiet time. Or coming to church once or twice a year. In fact, if you're one of those people that we love that come to church once or twice a year, I can understand why you wouldn't come back. Like, if you only come to church for, like, Easter or Christmas, and then someone kind of comes up to you and says, Hey, man, you know, why don't you come to church with me? You're kind of like, "Uh, Dude, I already did that. You know, I went, like, last Easter. I went two Christmases ago. I mean, um I've been there. I've done that. I I don't see what the big deal is all about. I mean, it was interesting. It was nice. I had a good time and all that. But my life wasn't changed or anything like you guys keep talking about. And you would say to that person, well, you can't just come once. And what you're saying to them is if you will come over and over again, if you'll come several weeks or you'll come several months you 'll notice a change, something will happen in your heart because there 's a cumulative value in being a regular attender and investing an hour and a half in church every week. I often used to tell people when I used to do uh, counseling um, I used to do a lot of marriage counseling in churches at state now that i, I can 't seem to find time to to there's other things that I have to do instead. We have other counselors to help with that. But people would come to me, and, I, and you know, their life was unraveling and coming apart. And um, I would say to them this. I would say, if you would make the commitment to come to church three out of four weekends a month for the next year, you will see your life change in, a, in an incredibly noticeably way. I guarantee it. And it won't be because of any one Sunday message. It won't be like, yep, that Labor Day message, that changed my life. No. I said, if you'll come 39 out of 52 weeks, you come 39 times between now and next Labor Day, I can promise you, that's, for those of you tough with math, that's three out of four Sundays. You know, If you'll come 39 times, you will have more peace in your life. You'll look back at the last year and you'll go, man, I am a different person. I have more peace. You'll have more faith you'll have less worry you'll have less you'll be worried about you will trust god more and you will be closer to god than you ever have been before in your life that's just the way it works all you have to do show up 39 times in the next 52 weeks there's a cumulative effect in any area of growth when you make a regular when you make it a regular habit so in many areas of life especially relationally with your kids, with your spouse, with your family, with your heavenly father. There is a cumulative value, and one deposit on its own has almost no value at all. The second thing I want you to jot down about time on your outline there is the flip side, and that is that neglect has a cumulative effect as well. Will you fill that in there? Neglect, if you don't know how to spell cumulative, it's in number one. I spelled it out for you number one. It's, I had to look. This means if you neglect your marriage for a year, it has a cumulative effect. At the end of three to six months of neglecting your marriage, there will be an effect, won't there? Because neglect has a cumulative effect as well. If you decided, you know what, I'm just going to ignore my health this year. I'm going to eat what I want. I'm I'm not going to exercise at all. I'm just going to do whatever I, all the bad habits, I'm going to do them all this year. At the end of the year, your body will show the wear and tear of probably many years. You'll notice a difference. If you neglect any important areas of life by not giving them the regular time deposits over the long period of time, there are consequences. And in the end, you will notice the difference. But, but here's what's interesting. And this is what gets us trapped. This is what gets us off track and derailed. This is where we're deceived sometimes. And that's this. There are rarely any immediate consequences for neglecting single installments of time in any arena of life. Rarely is there a giant consequence when you miss something in life. I had a friend tell me one time, he says, you know, it's so hard to keep a, have a quiet time. And you don't really realize the negative effects of not having a quiet time until it's too late. So they're already there. It's been a while. And then he looked at me. And he said, "Wouldn't it be great?" <laughs> I can't believe he said, that. he said Wouldn't it be great if the day, the first day you you missed having a quiet time, you just burst into flames? He said, "I bet nobody would miss their quiet time after that." I said, "No, none of the rest of us who survived it would have missed it, right? If you, if your buddy just whoosh, he vaporized, missed his quiet time, none of us would miss it. It doesn't work like that, no, does it? There's no consequence." No consequence when you miss your exercise routine tomorrow morning, right? That's what we say. We say, you know, I'm not going to run tomorrow. I'm not going to go work out tomorrow. Um, if you don't work out for one day, no big deal. I'm going to I'm going to get off my diet for one day, no big deal. Uh, you know, I should be home with my family for dinner. I promised I'd be there, but I got this thing or this opportunity to come up, and you know, I'm, it's just one night with me. No big deal. And it's true, no big deal. You know, I was gonna be home for Friday night for date night with my wife, but you know, there's there's something it's just one date night. No big deal. You know, we're just skipping church this one time or we're skipping our small group this one week. Jerry, no 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 big deal. And, and you're totally right. It is no big deal. Any single installment, this is why it's so deceiving. We, we we look at that one moment, we look at that one night, we look at that one weekend, and we evaluate, well, how important is really just this, this one and some time, And the answer is always the same. Unless it's a birthday dinner, unless it's a significant calendared event, it's really not all that important if you make it or you don't. Nothing comes apart. The wheels don't fall off your marriage when you miss one date night. Your kids aren't going to be you know, incarcerated if you miss one little league game. There's no huge consequence for missing one installment. And that's how we talk ourselves into, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just once. It's no big deal. But here's the third thing I want you to write down. There is no cumulative value to the urgent things that we allow to interfere with what's most important. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say last, let's go back to New Year's resolutions. Let's say you made a New Year's resolution last year to get in shape. And you join the gym like all of us do in January. You know, it's, it's like everybody's at the gym in January reading through their one-year Bible, right? We're all trying to double-time it. Um, we make this commitment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the gym. Or maybe you bought a treadmill. You know, it's hanging all your clothes around it right now, but you bought a treadmill and you, you got this and you even announced it on Facebook, "This is my year to get in shape." You remember that? And you're thinking to yourself, "Why are you bringing this up?" Yeah, I remember it. Why? Here's the thing. If we were to sit down and we were to discuss and write down, and I were to ask you, what did you do instead of getting in shape? What did you you do instead of the treadmill? What did you do instead of the gym? We wouldn't know what we did. We would probably say, well, you know, I mean, I probably slept in. Um, you know, I, I probably read some Facebook. I probably scrolled some on, on Instagram. I, I, I probably had breakfast with some friends. And if you were to add up all the time we slept in and all the time we were on Facebook and all the time we scrolled on Instagram and all the time we went to breakfast with friends, all the time that we spent not doing this New Year's resolution of working out to get in shape, if you added all of that pile up, it would equal a big zero. Because there's no cumulative value in everything we do that pulls us away from the important things. Same thing's true with dinner with the family. Same thing's true with dating your wife or attending a small group or church Having a quiet time or practicing a musical instrument. And this is why at some point in our lives we all look back and we say, where did it go? Where did my time go? Where did my life go? I don't have anything to show for it. Because there's cumulative value. Did you know there's cumulative value in spending time with God and praying every day with Him? I'm not talking about an hour a day. I'm just talking about 5, 10, 15 minutes a day. And for those of you who you know it was January, you said, you know, we did 40 days of something here. It was, it was 40 days of transformation or, or 40 days of community or 40 days of, of prayer. We always do 40 days. This January, we're going to kick it off with 40 days of daring faith. And I made a commitment. I'm going to have my quiet time. And I started off so good, but somehow I got derailed. I'm going to start... Journaling, by the way, Pastor Rich, like I said, has a class that will teach you how to journal, how to pray, how to study God's word. He'll be teaching that today. Um, we do that about four times a year. It's called Maturity Matters. You could you could jump into that if you if you needed to, if you wanted to. But if you were to add up all the things that we did instead of a quiet time, and it, it has no cumulative value. We don't know what we've done. We have nothing to show for it compared to what change or what could be true inside of us. If I had spent that 15 minutes alone with God every day, how different would my, my life be now six months, nine months later? Because there's cumulative value in those things that are important, and there's no real cumulative value in all the things that pull us away from that, that we replace it with. And this is why we look back at our life with regret. All the time gets spent, doesn't it? Has anybody got any extra time? You know, we we have all these time-saving devices. Haven't you been saving time all your life? We should have just weeks and weeks of extra time just saved up. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Like, you can save money. When you save money, you can actually go get it and spend it later, can't you? Because you saved the money. But when you save time, where do you save your time? Where do you put that time? It's like, wouldn't it be great if there was a bank and I go, oh, hey, there's all my time. I've got all this time saved up. Just stop the world. I need an extra week to get this project done. You know, I need an extra week to go on vacation. I don't have to stop doing any work because I have extra time. I've I've saved. It doesn't work that way. All the time gets spent. None of us have any additional time moving forward. And in a lot of our cases, our time has not been used to bring us Maximum value to our lives and that's why this is an issue that we should run through this grid of the best question ever How we use our time is so important. It's why it's so So important to our heavenly father who loves us. Oh, well, here's the last statement. I want you to jot down about time In the critical arenas of life You cannot make up for lost time in the critical areas and arenas of life you could not make up for last time. Do you remember back in college? Do you remember back in high school? Did any of you ever pull an all-nighter? I mean, remember, you could slough off, get behind, you know, your whole freshman year, you kind of goof off, and you could cram for that exam. And you and your roommate or your fraternity brothers or whatever, you could stay up 12 hours all night long, come, you know, hopped up on jolt cola and coffee. You could come show up at the exam and you could pass Western Civ even though you just learned it all like 12 hours ago. And you won't remember any of it after the exam. You can get through college some classes that way. But in the critical areas of life, there are no all-nighters. You cannot cram for a relationship with your kids. You cannot pull an all-nighter and make everything right with your teenager. You cannot cram for a relationship with your spouse. And you can't cram for a relationship with your Heavenly Father. You cannot cram and get yourself in shape physically. You could go to the 24-hour gym. That's what I used to think. I used to see 24-hour gym. I used to think, who works out for 24 straight hours? Man, that is like too much. Right? You are just way too crazy to fitness. If you're there for a 24-hour gym, you know, and I guess it means it's just open that long. But if you went to the 24-hour gym and you stayed there for 24 hours, you will not, if you walk in there not in shape, you're not coming out in shape. Because in the important arenas of life, It requires small deposits on a daily or a weekly or monthly basis. And if you miss those opportunities, you can't make them up. If you neglect your marriage for three or four months, one long weekend away isn't going to make up for four months of neglect. No matter how many flowers, no matter how much perfume, no matter how much romance you put into the weekend, won't fix the last four months. Yeah, I meet people all the time. They're like, man, we 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 need a year of counseling. You know, our marriage is in a place where we we just we just need to go, you know, and I said, Yeah, a year of counseling will do a lot of people a lot of good. And they said, you know what? It's cheaper for us to just go on a cruise for a week. And um they go on a cruise instead, and man, life's pretty good for about two weeks. And all those problems that everybody, you know, nobody has a problem on a cruise. you ever been on a cruise? There's no problems. You know? Um they all come back, don't they? Because you can't make up for lost time with some shortcut kind of a thing. We all we all wish we could make up, but we can't. I have people tell me sometimes, you know, Pastor Pastor Jerry, I haven't been to church all summer, so we're going to come to both services today. You know, I'm like, well, I appreciate that, but I don't think it's going to make, it's not going to make the same kind of difference, right? Um, or you, you get those people like, You know, I haven't read my Bible. It's it's December the 26th. I haven't read my Bible all year. I'm going to read the whole Bible this week. You know, like, knock yourself out, buddy. Man, Leviticus is going to be rough for you on Tuesday, you know, because you're going to read the whole thing in one week. Woo! Um, It's still, look, I'm not against Bible reading. Have I mentioned lately you should read your Bible? But five minutes a day, ten minutes a day will change your life forever trying to sit down and read the whole thing cover to cover this afternoon, it might change your life forever in the wrong way, right? Because we're all at stages in our lives. And these stages that we're at are all temporary. How long are you in your 20s? Anybody know? Ten years. It's a decade. Now, I know some people get stuck in their 20s, and they're really a 20-year-old mind and mentality, but they're in their 50s, and that is just so sad. We're all at stages and we're passing through these stages. And it's important that in your twenties you make the investment in your twenties so that you're going to have a future of your thirties and forties. Or in your thirties, you make the investment so that you have a future in your forties and fifties. Or like me, you're in your fifties that you continue to make the investments so that you can have the future that you want to have. Because if you don't the cumulative long-term benefit is lost, and lost forever. Yes, you can always start from where you are, and you can do what's important. That's what everybody says. I wish I had heard this in my 20s. Well, listen, most people that hear this in their 20s, like, it would have changed my life. Well, most of us who heard it in our 20s, we didn't let it change ours. We were like, it's none of your business kind of a, kind of an attitude. But at some point, we've got to take responsibility for our time because we take responsibility for our time. we take taking responsibility of our time equals life. And you can always start, and hopefully you can make the right wise decisions from here on future, but you can't make up for everything you've neglected. And, you, know, you can double time it. You can write more love notes. You can have a quiet time morning and evening. That will help. But that's all stuff for the future. It doesn't really change where you are now. Nobody here would argue that the cumulative value builds daily, weekly, monthly deposits along the way. Now, your Heavenly Father loves you, and the Bible teaches that God has numbered our days. It says that over and over again. And God wants us to get maximum impact out of the days that we have on this planet that we call our life. That I'm to live in a way that reflects Him in my life. And it's important to Him. Wasting my time, throwing my time away, chasing all the urgent things in life that pull my time away from the important things is really just wasting my life and throwing my life away and letting the urgent things pull my life in the wrong direction. So here's what I want you to write down. Your Heavenly Father knows that your days are numbered. And He wants you to get the maximum impact, relationally, spiritually, professionally, out of your life. Now since God knows what the length of our life is going to be, and God knows that He wants us to get the maximum impact and how to get that, What would you expect him to say in light of this truth about your time and about the way you use your time and about your life? You'd expect God to be pretty direct, wouldn't you? And he is. And I want us to go back to this passage from Ephesians chapter 5 that I mentioned in week 1, and I told you we were going to come back to this particular verse in a couple of weeks, and now it's been a couple of weeks. And here's the Apostle Paul. He's writing in the first century by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he addresses this. He's talking about wisdom in Ephesians chapter 5. And then he uses as an example of all the areas of life that he could apply wisdom to, he chooses to apply it to this specific area, the arena of our time. And he says this in verse 15 and 16 of Ephesians chapter 5. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity In these evil days. Now the translation make the most means get maximum value. Squeeze everything that is good out of every moment that you can, that you live. Get maximum value out of your time. That's what takes every opportunity means. And it means it implies if you're not wise that that won't happen. And then look at this little phrase at the end, these evil days. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago. But you and I live in a time that's the same. We live in evil days. In these evil days, if we allow them to, this evil culture, if we allow it to, the urgency of life, we fill this in, will steal our time. The urgency of life will steal our time. And really what that means is the urgency of of life will steal our life. And we'll end up spending time doing all the urgent things and expected things. And we'll miss out on the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in that season, in that stage of life, to invest in those things that are most important. We'll miss out on the opportunity to give the daily, the weekly, the monthly deposits of time, which is deposits of our life, into the relationships that are most important to us. And we'll let the culture or we'll let the urgent things in life pull us away from the people that we love and the relationships that we need to invest in. And we'll miss out on that potential cumulative value. When we get to the ends of our 20s and our 30s and our 40s, if we put the investment in, we imagine getting yourself to the end of a decade and looking back and say, look how much better I am relationally at the end of my 20s or the end of my 30s or the end of my 40s than I was at the beginning. Look how much richer my life is spiritually or professionally or even physically. Not because of any one sermon or any one date night or any one driving the car with my kids or any one workout. But because I made incremental deposits, I disciplined myself all along the way. Make the most of every opportunity. Take advantage of every opportunity. Because if you don't, we live in a day and an age when the culture, when the urgency, where the technology will rob you of everything that's most important to you. And the next thing you'll know is you'll be looking down and going, man, these stupid cat videos, they have just been in three or four or five hours will go by. And your life will be, where did my life go? Cat videos. Where did my life go? Candy Crush. Angry Birds. Where did my life go? He better not say fantasy football. I won't. And we'll end up allowing other things pull us away from what is obviously the most important. So we've got to ask this best question ever in light of our time. And we've got to say, what is the wise thing, God, for me to do with my time? In light of my past experience, in light of my present circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's a wise thing for me to spend my time on? And we can ask that to ourselves let me help you. In light of the last two months, what's been going on in the last two months of your life, what's the wise thing? What do you, what's the wise thing for me to stop doing? That's a good question. And in light of what's going on in your life right now, you know, where my kids are, or where my family is, or where my marriage is, or where my physical health is, what's the wise thing for me to do right now? Where do I need to make the incremental investments, God? What relationships do I need to pour into with you, with my spouse, with my kids, with my, my siblings? And then in the future, in light of the future, where I want to be relationally, where I want to be spiritually, where I want to be. My, my future hopes and dreams. You have dreams. You may have not written them down, but you, you have a preferred future that you look forward to. What is the wise thing for me to do with my time? And when you evaluate your hopes and dreams, relationally and spiritually, and in every other area, and you look at what has the potential to rob me of my time or rob me of my life. you got to make the tough decisions and say, you know what, for me and my family right now, i got to say no. It's not that it's a bad thing, it's a good thing, but the good things of life, I mean, stupid cat videos aren't bad. They're just probably not the best Wisest choice. Why? Because I got toddlers or I got teenagers or I've got a marriage that I need to invest in. And there's nothing wrong with Candy Crush or fantasy football. I had a friend of mine this week, wise decision. Texted him just the other day and said, hey, do you play fantasy football? I knew he did. I need a 12th for my fantasy football league. He's like, you know what? For me, with three toddlers at home right now, no way I can be. I can participate in fantasy football. I can do the draft and just let it auto-play everybody. I can be just a place. I said, no, we'll, we'll find somebody. I said, but you know what? You made a wise decision because fantasy football will always be here. Candy Crush will probably always be here, unfortunately. And, but your kids are only going to be toddlers once. Your teenagers are only going to be uh, teenagers once. We can't allow the culture, the technology, the, the, the time bandits of the world To steal our time because they steal our life and we've got to make the incremental deposits and ask god what is the wise thing for me to do why don't we pray and ask him to help us right now because i'm out of time heavenly father we love you and we thank you for time we thank you for the time that you've given us the days the minutes the hours the weeks the years the decades that you have allotted to each of us god we thank you for our life and we recognize that you have, you have allotted a certain amount of time for each of our lives. Help us to make the wise decisions and to ask the wise question. What's the wise thing for me to do in light of my past experience with my time, my current circumstances with my time, my future hopes and dreams with my time? Why don't you do that right now? Just say, God, I want to be wiser with my time. Help me to know what to stop doing. God, help me to know where to start investing my time in my life. In light of my past and my present and my future, God, what's a wise thing for me to be doing right now? What's a wise thing for me to stop doing right now? you make that your prayer? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for all the time you've given us. Help us to maximize it. And live the abundant life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's now. We all struggle to really make the best use of our time, but focusing on what we've learned this morning can make a difference. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend and make the most of it. See ya.